I'm Anastasia, and this is Vibrant Life Unlocked. Here we have intimate and insightful conversations about everything that makes life more vibrant. The energy, the power, the adventure to look at life with a fresh perspective, while giving you the support to develop a method and strategy to live life to its fullest. This is Vibrant Life Unlocked. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Vibrant Life Unlocked. Today's guest is literally one of the most vibrant people I know. You're in for a treat. This incredible leader has worked and lived all across the world. He is currently a director of youth and community engagement with the Emerson Collective. Prior to this role, he served both mayor and governor John Hickenlooper for 14 years as a public sector leader in Colorado. Through his work in local and state politics, he has engaged collectively across sectors to generate over 300 million in new resources for the public good. He is also the CEO and founder of the Global Livingstone Institute, non-government organization in East Africa, designed to engage students and community leaders to listen, think, act by developing innovative solutions to poverty. He is a servant leader. He's a force for good. He is Jamie Van Leeuwen. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you, Anastasia. I'm excited to be here today. Absolutely. Well, my first question, what is your definition of vibrant life? Well, I love the fact that you're doing this because I think we get, especially during a time where there's a lot of turbulence in the world, I, I think one of the things I've been talking to folks about is that we also have to see where there's hope. And I think a vibrant life is somebody who lives a life that's filled with hope, that we all are going to have bad days. We're all going to have days that, that don't work the way that we want them to. But how do we kind of assess what fulfills us and makes us happy and, and make sure that we're really grateful for that? And I think the people who I know are the most vibrant are the people who take stock of all the things that they have to be grateful for that we don't necessarily always recognized. So I think vibrant life and being grateful kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, I love that. Just being grateful and taking some time, maybe daily, to really think about all the beautiful things and beautiful friends and beautiful people and beautiful causes that we have in our life. And you did the Vibrancy Life Scan, so thank you for that. And the results were phenomenal. So basically, in all areas of your life, you're just doing fantastic. And my question is, has this always been the case? Have you always had this amazing, fulfilled life? Or has it not been the case for you? My mom gets most of the credit for this. My mom was really good about reminding us that we were lucky to be able to go to school every day, that we were lucky to come home and have dinner with our family, that we were lucky to have the friendships that we had. I've kind of taken that with me and I've had the opportunity to travel around the globe for the last 12 years. As you said, I've worked in communities in, in East Africa and some of those communities are extremely poor and have an enormous amount of resource deficits and needs. People who, when they get sick, don't have access to a doctor. When they're hungry and need food, there's not necessarily an easy way for them to address those needs. And so, so for me, I talk a lot about the fact that my worst day is a lot of people's best. And that when you're in your communities where you recognize that not everybody wakes up in the morning and has the privilege of a hot shower or can sit down at a breakfast table and eat whatever they want, 
those are all things that kind of contributed to that. And so my mom kind of taught me that at a young age that we should live our lives as fully as possible to embrace the people around us. And, and for people who don't have access to those resources, how do, we, how do we spend as much of our time as possible trying to figure out how to raise that playing field for people who don't have the same opportunities that we all do? I love that your mom has been this role model and taught you so well. Speaking of raising up the game, I know that one of your favorite expressions is go big or go home. <laughs> <laughs> so can you talk about that? Was it also something that your mom taught you? And how do you implement that slogan in your day-to-day -day life? I, you know, my mom's taught it to me. A lot of the mentors that I've had have taught that to me. And the work that I do has really reminded me about that. You know, I, I spent 15 years working for Mayor Hickenlooper and Governor Hickenlooper. And in our work with the homeless, we didn't want to create a plan that was just about how do we take this issue on and really resolve it? Let's figure out how to house as many people as we possibly can. Let's figure out how to create services for as many people that need services. And so if you're going to do something, if you're going to come up with a plan on homelessness, if you're going to go and engage in community development in East Africa, then go big. Like, let's reach out and, and really stretch our imagination in terms of what's possible. And I think that in my own work, especially in the field around human services, both domestically and internationally, I think our communities are starving for that. The, the doing things the way that we've always done them is not working for a lot of people. I think that if we're really going to invest in our communities and make them more healthier and make them more vibrant, then we've really got to like think outside the box. We got to go big, go home. Let's come up with ideas and solutions to poverty and to housing and to education in ways that we haven't done before. And we can totally do that. We have the technology. We have young people that I work with all the time that are, are so excited to lean in and engage. And so we've got to figure out how do we unlock your theme of life unlocked. How do we unlock the talents of young people and really turn them loose to do some things that are extraordinary? Absolutely. Were there any key people in your life that helped you to unlock all that energy? And in addition to your vibrant energy, what is your superpower? You know, there's a whole slew of people who help me do that. I always tell the young people that I work with to make sure that if you don't have a mentor, go find one. I have 30 mentors. My first mentor, Charlie, when I, I needed to go on my first big trip with the mayor, helped me go pick out a suit because I didn't know exactly what kind of suit I was supposed to wear on my first big trip with the mayor. I've had mentors who have really guided me and helped me think differently and think bigger about the approach that I take to my work. Uh, my mentor, Peter, is the one who sat at a table with me in Kigali after he traveled with me through East Africa and said, what do you want? And I didn't know how to answer it. And he looked at me, he said, when somebody asks you that, you should have an answer and let folks help you do that. And so a lot of people pushed me to say, hey, if you really want to do this, I'll help you do it. But I'm only going to be at the table with you if you're, you're willing to go all in. And so those mentors help create a space for me to do what I do. And so I've kind of spent most of the last 10 years of my career working with young people and communities to create a space to allow them to do what they want to do. I think the mentoring is so critical. And my superpower, I don't know that I have a superpower. I think my superpower is surrounding myself with people who have really invested and believed in the work that I do. The Global Livingston Institute is grown into what it is and is this amazing international development organization, not because of me, but because of a, a thousand people that have gotten involved and contributed to the work that I'm doing. And so 
I think the superpower that I found is how do you tap into the superpowers of all those people around you and then put them to work. Absolutely love it. Just very quickly, we're going to do this. And I think it is your superpower when you are able to share your vision for change with other people and bringing everybody together. So that becomes their mission in life as well. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Anastasia. And I think we talk about this a lot in the work that we do in East Africa. It's, it's how do you create a seat at the table? If we want our communities to be involved and engaged in the transformation and change that we want to create, they have to have a seat at the table. They have to be part of it. And we all know what it feels like if other people are making decisions for us versus if we're part of the decision-making mode. And when people are making decisions for you, you're not as engaged as you are if you really feel like you have a say in what decisions are being made and that that your opinion and insights matter. And I think that's, you know, the whole notion of listen, think, act that the Global Livingston Institute is, has been really pushing around best practices, community development. Uh, you can't create transformational change if you don't listen to the people that you are working with, if you don't think with the people you're working with. And then if you, if you don't act on the information that you generate, and then it's an iterative process. I talk about the fact that in Africa, they kind of push back on this notion that's inculcated us in the West of don't just stand there, do something. That there's this urgency to fix things and that's good you know our parents taught us don't just stand there go fix it if you drop something go fix it go clean it up and what africa is saying is don't just do something stand there get to know our communities better before you just show up and start doing things and i think we need to kind of think about how we approach the work that we do and the communities that we work in and i think that contributes to how we create vibrant communities you can't create a vibrant lifestyle or vibrant community by showing up and telling somebody to be more vibrant. You create a vibrant community by asking them, what do you need to have a more vibrant community? And then act on that. I love it. And I think that a very simple framework of listen, think, act is applicable to leadership in general, not just international development, right? Listen, think, act. And speaking of leadership, like you definitely someone who is such a vibrant example, what it means to be a servant leader. What is your definition of servant leadership? You know, it goes back to my mentoring comments. I had a lot of mentors who taught me what it meant to be a servant leader, that you lead with humility, that you listen to the people around your table, that you make sure that the people sitting around the table all don't look and sound like you that servant leaders genuinely play a role at the table that's really important, but everybody around the table also plays a significant role. And that to me is servant leadership. You know, Roxanne taught me that if you're going to be, if you really want to move public service, then, then you've got to make sure that everybody at the table has a role that's equally important to the role that you play. And we talk about that a lot in East Africa and the work that we do, that my role with the organization, with the Global Livingston Institute is the CEO. And I'm one part of 40 positions that needs to be at the table to be able to make things work. But I'm not the most important part. And quite honestly, if you didn't have the chief of staff, if you didn't have the operations person, if you didn't have the research team, we couldn't do what we're doing. And so a good servant leader makes sure that everybody at the table feels important and has a role that they need to play to be able to get things done. And probably also your superpower ability to listen probably is also like a very big component of being a servant leader. 
I think that's a superpower that everybody hopefully understands. And, and I think we can all do it better, right? I think we all strive to be better listeners and sometimes we do it better than others. And so the whole notion of listen, think, act, and what I remind people of is that it's not just a one-time thing. You don't just listen, think, act, and then you're done. It's listen, think, act, and then after you act, you have to go listen again to see, is it working? Is what I'm doing really making a difference? And think about that, and then you need to act again because you probably need to make some adjustments. And we do that in our own personal lives. We do that in our professional lives. We do that in the community work we do. I think it's really important. And I also think that if you continually do that, when you ask me what it means to live a vibrant lifestyle, that's it. The people who I know who live vibrant lifestyles are not static. They don't do the same thing over and over and over again. They do something and then they make it better. And sometimes you hit turbulence and you have to figure out why you're hitting turbulence. And then you have to go back and rethink it. And you're constantly changing and improving on who you are and the work that you do. And you love to challenge yourself. So definitely you do not like to be in the same place doing the same thing all the time. So over the last five years, can you talk about the number of countries and part of the world that you lived in? I mean, COVID, uh, COVID slowed us down a little bit. And I, I, I do love international travel. And, and I've learned a lot by getting out of my comfort zone. I think that there's so much to be said about going to a community that you've never been to before. I think it inculcates humility. I think it creates awareness and appreciation in so many different ways. You know, we've lived in Saudi Arabia. We've lived in Hong Kong. I've spent a lot of time in Uganda and Rwanda and have had the chance to travel to unique places. I, uh, uh, we were in the Dominican Republic this past year. And in those travels, you connect with folks where you start to realize how similar we are in, in so many different ways, that we have a lot of cultural differences. We eat different foods and we, we live in different climates and we, we have different experiences, but there's so much similarity in terms of how we want to live and the joy of being around other humans that makes us pull. So I do love the art of travel. And I think my last trip, I went with a buddy of mine. We'd finished in Uganda and Rwanda and we stopped off in Gabon and we spent a week there. And Gabon's this place, actually, when we were, when we were going through customs, they couldn't understand what we were doing there. They're like, what, why are you here? It's like, we're gonna, we want to tour around Gabon. They're like, well, nobody really comes here to do that. And it's like, well, well, well we kind of want to. And so like, how do you go find places that are kind of undiscovered and kind of get to know the people and the culture? So. I love it. And you have so much energy and you're very generous with sharing your energy with others. I have a couple of questions. First, what gives you energy? And if you ever feel that you don't have any energy, what do you do? <laughs> my husband gives me energy. Uh, I have a great husband who is very aware of my energy. And sometimes it's good to harness that energy a bit. Uh, I don't know. I, I get up and I'm excited about what I get to do. What gives me energy is the work that I get to do and the people I'm around. And I know that, especially right now, we've seen a lot of people suffering and a lot of people who didn't have the protections that come with privilege during an unbelievably challenging time in the world with the pandemic. And so what gives me energy is the fact that I have these resources and tools and that I expected to use those. Like we should be spending every moment, um, regardless of what role we play, if we're, if we're in the private sector, if we're in the public sector, in the nonprofit sector, how are we giving back? 
and how are we connecting with communities? And the more that I engage in that kind of work, the more energy I get. I work with young people and uh, I know that people are very, there's a lot of pessimism right now. There's a lot of people are discouraged. I'm worried about certain things. I'm very worried about our climate. I'm very worried about the political unrest. I'm very worried about democracy. I'm extremely hopeful when I'm hanging out with young people that if we really lean in, that we can actually take on a lot of these things. I don't think that all hope is God. I do think that we will find our way. I think it's going to be unpleasant at times. I think it's going to be turbulent at times, but the young people I work with give me energy. Um, they're excited about being part of something and we actually have to give them the hope and the tools to be able to take that on. If all they hear is how bad things are and how bad things are getting, Nobody's going to want to do that. And things are bad and things, uh, people are struggling and suffering. Let's go figure it out and, and take it on. And I think our young people are ready to do that if we give them the energy and the support and the resources that they need to succeed. I love it. I love it. Like, let's give them hope and also let's give them tools. Speaking of your energy, there's always been this uh, big question in the Colorado community. How many hours does Jamie Malone sleep? Because it seems like... <laughs> And does he even sleep? He's a superhuman. Maybe he doesn't even sleep because you had such big position in government, yet you started a nonprofit. And on top of that, you on the other side of the world, and yet you're available to everyone. How is it possible? I don't know. I think everybody kind of finds their own way to channel their energy. I've been very fortunate that I don't sleep a lot, but I also think that it's really important. I don't think it's the topic of Colorado conversation. If it is, people should find other things to talk about. Uh, but uh, I think that, you know, for me, I think that we kind of find different ways to take care of ourselves. So for me, it's a lot about self-care. In the midst of having a really full work life, I have a great son that I like to spend time with. I have a great husband that I, I want to make sure that we have really long dinners together. I think that there's very few mornings that go by where I don't get in a really good morning run. And so I think taking care of yourself, getting the amount of sleep that your body needs, getting the right food in your body, making sure you're exercising and taking care of yourself, all that goes into being able to work more. I learned, you know, kind of the hard way when I was younger and I worked and was running a homeless youth shelter. You can work 18 hours a day, but if you eat terrible and you don't exercise and you don't get the right amount of sleep, then you're not going to be as productive. And so I can work more and work more effectively if I exercise and eat well and spend time with people that I love. I think there's a nice balance and everybody's balance is different. Some people need more sleep. Some people need more days to rest and recreate. And so you have to kind of find your own secret sauce and then go with it. We all know when our balance is off, it doesn't take very much to figure it out. Yeah, but I love it that you learned that you need to have these rituals and routines in place. Otherwise you can burn out. So you've probably been there and you're like, I don't want to be there again. Yeah. And travel fuels my soul. Like that makes me happy. And finding those things that make you really happy, that you enjoy and making sure that you allow yourself the luxury of doing those, I think makes a difference. Is there anything that you would like to do more or less to live even more vibrant life or just to sustain the same level of beautiful life that you have? I love what I'm doing right now. I'd like to keep doing what I'm doing. I feel very privileged and honored to be able to engage in the work that I do both in the United States and East Africa. And so you get to a place in your life actually where you stop kind of, or at least for me, I think some of that vibrancy comes without worrying too much about what you're going to do in two years. You know, when you're younger, 
I think you're constantly worried about where am I going to go to graduate school? Where am I going to get the best job? How do I, once I get that job, how do I get the right promotion and all that kind of stuff? You do get to a point in your life where you realize, oh my gosh, I want to really enjoy what I'm doing right now. And right now for me, Anastasia, I really want to enjoy what I'm doing right now. I had a great run working with now Senator Hickenlooper. We did really cool things together in the public sector and I wouldn't trade it for anything. We really made a difference in terms of some of the policy work we did and some of the community work we did. And now I get to work with young people and we're continuing to grow the Global Livingston Institute and we're seeing more and more young people engaging in community development work. And so right now I, I'm more focused on enjoying and really digging into the work that I'm doing as opposed to looking at, well, what do I want to do more of in, in five years? I think, I think you'll find your way if you just keep kind of moving forward and kind of following what you love. I love it. And also enjoying, like being in the moment and enjoying like everything, all the abundance that you have. JB, like you're one of those people that you are a magnet for good people and you have an incredible network. How are you able to stay in touch? Because your network is so vast. It's literally, it's a global network. And yet you always find time to touch base. Do you have a system? Or is it all in your head? How do you do it? I don't know. I, I think we all have a different balance too, right? Like some of us have a hundred best friends and some of us have one best friend. And so for me, I've always really enjoyed the, the many different people that have come into my lives for so many different, come into my life for so many different reasons. I don't know if it's so much that I think I had a mentor years ago, a gentleman by the name of Ken, who taught me that that regardless of what you do, the friendships you keep and the people you know, always show up and be present. I think where people kind of lose their way and a lot of the young people that I mentor, it's like, it's great if you have 5,000 Facebook friends. That's, I guess, actually, I was told the other day to stop using that because nobody, none of the young people use Facebook or whatever, they have new social mediums, but whatever it is, you can have 5,000 people on social media, but who are the people who really know and connect and care about you and, and you show up? People know the difference between a genuine friendship and one that's just a friendship of convenience. And so for me, the company that I keep and the friendships I want to have are ones that I want to put time into. I want to have share a meal I want to connect with so that there are people who I work with, there's people I travel with. But I think in that network, most of the connections that you make are ones where you hope that you can kind of figure out how to bridge that into something that's authentic and long lasting. And some of those things last longer than others. When you're doing work together, you're gonna to have friendships that might grow distance just because of proximity and that's okay. But I've always been very attentive that if, if I'm going to build a friendship or relationship that it's rooted in authenticity and genuineness and that you pay attention to those people, not just at the moment, but over time. Beautiful. Is there any advice that you can share with our listeners for what small changes they can make in their lives to live more vibrant life? I'll steal something from the great Senator Hickenlooper who, who he inculcated in us, and we've got it hanging up at uh, our place in uh, Southern Uganda for the Global Livingston Institute. Our staff have this sign hanging up and Senator Hickenlooper always taught us to work hard and be nice. And we do one of them really well. We've actually learned how to work hard. We can work 27 hour days. We have social media and emails and texts, and we can get so much done in a day that we couldn't do even 10 years ago. So we got the work hard part down. We missed the be nice part. 
that regardless of the sector, the public, nonprofit, or private sector, we've gotten to this place where we can be pretty harsh with each other and we can be pretty mean uh, in how we interact and how we talk and how we say things and how we do things. And there's just not a place for that right now, especially right now. Like we need to work hard. The climate needs us, our communities need us, healthcare needs us, and we gotta figure out how to solve really, really hard problems. And we're not going to do it by screaming at each other and lobbing mean tweets and emails and attacks on one another. If we're going to really take on some of the most challenging issues I've seen in my generation, it's got to happen by us really sitting down at the table. And it doesn't mean we can't fight. It doesn't mean we can't disagree. It doesn't mean we can't be like, I think you're completely wrong. But how we treat each other and how we talk to each other will really define how we solve some of our, our most challenging issues of the time. And so my advice is, you know, the work hard, but be nice. And, and that makes all the difference when you want to talk about vibrancy. If you spend most of your day screaming at people or being mad at people or feeling wronged by everybody, it's easy to get to a place where you're not very vibrant. And so and sometimes we self-impose that upon ourselves. And so how do we kind of get out of that mode and really look for the good and whatever it is? And sometimes it's really hard to find, but at the end of the day, I think erring on the side of caution makes a huge difference and, and be nice to one another. Be nice to one another, have hope, have mentors, be a mentor, listen, collaborate, inspire. There's so many beautiful things, Jamie. This is really special. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you would like to share, but I didn't ask yet? I really appreciate the fact that you've kind of been very complimentary of me. I think that the conversations that you're promoting right now around how do we find our way? How do we find the best in ourselves? That's a really important thing to do right now. And so I think it's easy to be self-critical too of all the things that, that we're worried about. And so I, I really appreciate your energy of bringing that out in people and, and asking them kind of to talk about that. We tend to talk about what are we most worried about? And what do we think about homelessness and when we think about climate change and we should ask all those questions but we should also ask about well, what is it that's helping us be successful i think that the nature of this podcast around vibrancy and and unlocking your life ambitions i think is really important so i appreciate your having me on the show today wonderful thank you jamie and we will have your complete bio because your bio is incredible we can talk for 40 minutes just about that not to be too complimentary not to be too complimentary <laughs> <laughs> but if you are interested it will be on vibrantlifeunlock.com and also your social media hashtags probably not facebook maybe you have some tiktok accounts i don't know <laughs> not as a criticism of facebook some people are still using facebook so. yes but if people would like to connect with you and find out more about your life-saving work where can they do that Go to our website, go to www.globallivingston.org and there's uh, ways to contact me. There's ways to learn about my work, but that'd be the best way to, to reach out and connect. Wonderful. This has been beautiful. Thank you so much, Jamie, for your time today. Thank you, Anastasia. Have a great day and, and have a wonderfully vibrant rest of your week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Vibrant Life Unlocked. Submit your questions and explore free resources at vibrantlifeunlocked.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and review it on your favorite podcast platform. 
as well as connect on social at Vibrant Life Unlocked. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.